There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're very welcome to the Mick Clifford podcast on today, Tuesday the 28th of January. And we're bang smack in the third week of the general election campaign, a week that many say is crucial because so many voters make up their mind in apparently the last 10 days. So they'll be heading there or thereabouts this week. It's also a very busy week with debates, with the launch of the last of the manifestos and naturally the odd controversy here and there. Joining me to discuss where things are at at the moment is Irish Examiner columnist and political commentator Alison O'Connor. Alison, you're um, politicking today, were you? I was, and I'm, my head feels like it's a bit been bang smacked, having just been at the um, uh, I was at the Labour Party manifesto launch earlier on, and just now at the Sinn Fein one. Quite late in the day for for both of them. You'd need a bit of therapy going to two of them. You would need a bit of therapy, and I'm very glad for the caffeine that you just handed me. (laughs) I suppose Labour maybe left to this late that they thought they'd get a bit of space, a bit of oxygen, a bit of publicity, and I think in Sinn Fein's case, it was strategic in terms of not even that they didn't have it launched ahead of last night's RT debate in terms of being questioned on the the individual individual detail of that. There's a lot of detail in there already. Yeah. There was there a myself. big contrast. Even before we get in, I suppose, the, the Labour one um, was in a, a hotel on, on Harcourt Street and um, I suppose I was very struck. Brendan Howland was a little bit kind of delayed. He said he got delayed in traffic coming up from Galway, which I think a lot of people will be um, will be familiar with that, certainly being delayed in, in Galway. And he was he stood at the top and there was um, some candidates. Ivana Batchik was there. Joe Costello was there. Uh, Kevin Humphreys. Um, a small enough group. And just you were very struck by, I suppose, that it didn't feel very dynamic. You were wondering where was Alan Kelly? Where was Aon O'Riordan? Um, two of what are seen as potentially next yeah. leaders. But even in terms of just adding a little bit of razzmatazz, a little bit of bounce to your general election manifesto, you know, Brendan did well. He was very competent. Um, but there was, it was just quite flat, really. There's in, a feeling of the tide yeah. running out. And yeah. And, and again, you, I suppose, again, you would even just say the age profile. There were, there were three younger candidates uh, up there, all right, but just yes, that's no, not necessarily a sense of tomorrow, more a sense of yesterday. Whereas I suppose, to be fair, the Sinn Féin one was more anticipated to begin with because they're on the rise and they have um, a reputation, I suppose, for making very big financial pledges 
uh, in elections and also following on from the story yesterday in the Irish Times, Pat Leahy's story about this pledge that they signed for the Ard Corps. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to get into that. Yeah. Quick thing, Alison, before we hit that, last night, Monday, the seven-way debate in Galway. Did you watch it? I, oh, every minute of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite go that far, but I watched most of it. What What was your impression of it? Who came out well out of it? There's no winners as such, but who would you suggest came out well out of it? Well, I suppose, first of all, I'd say I think it's very hard with the seven-way debate anyway. Oh. Uh, and actually, that's a point Brendan Howland made um, where he said it was difficult. Uh, I, If I had a winner, I would have said it was Mary Lou. I think that not only did she do well, I think she escaped quite lightly in that... Um, uh, I think both Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin, Michal Martin particularly, could have caused her more damage. I mean, there were a few things landed. Even this idea where he said, you know, Sinn Féin are saying you, that they will have the pension at 65 here and they're adamant in that. And I think they've connected with a lot of people on that. Uh, and, you know, that it's really important to people talking. And, and, and it was this, she elaborated again there in the press conference, the importance having worked so hard, you know, having paid your taxes, all of that. And you should be entitled to retire at 65. Yet in the north... <laughs> Uh, you, it's sixty six. Yeah. So you know he called he, he called her out on that, but it it could have been there was a point at the start where they were getting going on the whole idea of the Ard Corla and the pledge and this is the this, notion that the, no, the yeah. public reps are not necessarily the decision makers exactly. in the party and that it's more and, the, and that there are these shadowy. Uh, figures in the background tell, yeah. telling them what they what they should and there was and a crucial do. intervention I- intended or otherwise by yeah. Brendan Holland that I brought that to an end. I think like Brendan was the end of the row of seven. Okay, almost kind of a Johnny Nomad's a bit out in his own, and you could see why he he thought, okay, I have to make myself relevant. But it was the the only sense in the entire night where you thought, okay, this could be interesting. Uh, it was Mihal was leading the charge. Leo was in it a bit of it as well. And um, it never, it just fizzled out very abruptly because Brendan took the discussion in in another way. And maybe it was just, I felt maybe viewers were okay with that, but journalistically, uh, it really irked me that uh, that that wasn't explored further. One thing that struck me about it, Alison, two of the seven whom I thought made a lot of sense, they, they also didn't reach for the nearest populist instinct as politicians are want to do, particularly in that scenario, were Roisin Shortall and Eamon Ryan. Yet, at the same time, neither of them appeared able to reach out and, and, and make that connection that, as you say, Mary Lou did in, yeah, on a I couple of occasions. In, I suppose in either... I mean, I still haven't worked out why in this campaign, or maybe you have an answer to this, Mick, like, think of how we were talking about Sinn Féin after the local elections. Think of how we were talking about Mary Lou's leadership. You know, and that if, you know, if there was that the momentum was definitely, you know, on the way down. Uh, then you had the win in the Dublin uh, Midwest by-election. And but even that, I still from a, attempting to analyse why now, why they're, they're, they've got so much momentum behind them. It's 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 still difficult to, to answer that question and to know why. So I think that there was that surrounding Mary Lou going into it. There was the fact that she was in between, I think, me, they they would have drawn lots for this, but that she ended up between Mihal and Leo Varadkar, and I think that suited her. But also, I think even Richard Boyd Barrett, you know, came across magnificently, a great communicator. But I think if you wound back to 2016, you'd find Richard saying the same stuff. He really hit home with the audience last night. But it's kind that's kind of fascinating in that um, it, it, they really liked what he was saying. 
But they seem to be ignoring the fact that Richard wouldn't go into coalition, or you'd imagine, if his life depended on it. So none of what he's suggesting would ever be implemented. And I think in the case of, is similarly with Roisin, she didn't come under any attack. So that makes this, there's less. Now, I thought she communicated well. And I think actually the Social Democrats haven't a bad message. They're talking yeah. about the quality of life issues, commuters, childcare, all of that. Um, but I suppose if you're in terms of making noise and that, and she never, remarkably, they never did get to discuss health, which would have been her that strong was area. That yeah. was I mean, obviously they ran out of time, but God, given that every poll we've seen in the last few weeks says that health and housing are the two big issues, it I was a major I suppose the one thing about gap. health is that there's consensus on the plan. It's a question of what you prioritise and how much funding you give to it. There's consensus, it would seem, cross-party. Well, you know, there is. There, but I mean, I listen, I mean, they're saying, yes, they all back Slaunch Care, but Slaunch Care is now two and a half years old. Yeah. And even if you look at Finna Fall on it, um, Stephen Donnelly, has, their health spokesman, has not been impressive on how Slaunch Care would be rolled out. And um, also the fact that Finna Fall are talking about allocating two billion. Uh, the Social Democrats have said, and given that Roisin headed up the committee, the Slaunch Care Committee, it would need one billion every year for the next five years and 500,000 for four years after that. Now, that is an enormous amount yeah. of money. Um, but so I'm not sure how you can say you're behind Slauncher Care if you're not going the whole way on it. Yeah. One thing, other thing that struck me about Alison, looking at it and the way it evolved and Mary Lou's role in it and Leo Varadkar was quite okay. He came a bit more to the fore once it switched to the economy. At a time, unfortunately for him, when I'd suggest a lot of people would have switched off or went into the second hour. Michal Martin in, in patches was good. But it sort of did bring home, I thought, the notion that back to this two-way debate between Michal and Leo, combined as per the opinion polls, and I could well say they're underestimating support, it's less than 50%. The argument is they're the only two possible Taoiseach, but I thought it brought home again that, you know, Mary Lou MacDonald said it today, 22 seats, yeah. yet they're not in that debate. Go back to Eamon Gilmore in 11, he was there. No, I mean, I, look, I'm completely, I'd be completely with you on that, on the sort of just wanting to see the three of them hammering it out. But if the basis of the debate is which of these people, be it one, two, three or four, is possibly going to be the next Taoiseach, she's acknowledging her, herself. Yeah. She's not saying I'm hoping to be the next Taoiseach. So I guess you have to set your, your, you have to set your baseline somewhere. And I actually think that it might well suit them more at this stage than her in some ways, in terms of last night, they just didn't get much of a chance. Leo didn't attempt to. I think Leo strategically decided, I'm going to hang back a little bit um, on things that that cause us trouble. I'm going to be clever. And I think he was about this message of, if you want uh, the current economic, strong economy to keep going, trust Fine Gael, we're the ones. He interjected with that, I'd say, on four or five occasions and did it effectively and even managed to crack one or two jokes. I do sometimes think that Michal Martin is such a good debater that you that people observing it and commentating on it like me maybe set too bar, too high a bar for him, you know, because he did do well, but I thought he'd do a little better. And this for me has been a thread with him in the campaign is like his story, his narrative and connecting with people. There's an awful lot of talk about figures and housing and what they would and wouldn't do. 
But in terms of what what is Fianna Fáil standing for? Do you remember in the last election, he used to talk about public services and how important yeah. they were and the couple who'd want to go out for a pint on a Saturday, go out for a drink on a Saturday night. And I'm not, I mean, you may be better at this than me, but at the end of the section on housing last night, you just felt bamboozled. Yeah. You're like, who's doing what? How many houses? Private, public, rent? But it's funny. It's, it's, funny, it's hard you, to, 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 to make up your mind as to who you think is going to, you, to do you, the best. You, you say that, I think, and I agree with you. And But one thing that strikes me in that issue, as you said, of where Sinn Féin came from in light of the opinion polls and all, and I think Mary Lou MacDonald expressed it last night, what possibly is some of the reason behind it when she used that phrase she said uh, these two men one of them crashed the economy the other had the most expensive children's hospital and to some extent I would suggest that what's going on there is that people who are not their boat is not rising with the rising tide they, they, they don't like the crowd who are in there they, they're still not ready to get back in with Fianna Fall after the crash so it's nearly like, well, who else is there? What have you got? And the only entity that's rising above the packet would seem are Sinn Féin. Now, in that vein, though, what's a bit surprising is that the Greens, they seem to be doing steady enough, but they're not doing better than perhaps the opportunity might have uh, allowed for them. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head in some ways as to as to there. There's a bit of bewilderment about this campaign because you have Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are coming out with their their um, their various proposals. We see from opinion polls, Fianna Fáil is ahead, but not by that much. No. And I think it's that sense of both sides saying to people, here's what we'll do on health, here's what we'll do on housing, um, for instance. And people saying, but will you? Are you capable? Exactly. Are you competent? That's the bit we don't, we don't get. Can we trust and, you? Can we trust you? And then you have Mary Lou coming in and she's saying, Totally understand where you're coming from with this. It's desperate. The way she said last night, children sleeping in a box room, you know, people sleeping on the sofa of their parents' house. And she is sort of, people are are liking her tone and how she's understanding where they're coming from. Because there is, we do have a rising tide at the moment. But as well as that, people may have, uh, be earning good salaries in that. But I guess they're stuck in traffic. They're having issues with childcare. Um, you know, they, they feel bad about other people. They may have a house, but they feel bad about other people who don't. They have a fear that, which I think it's a good line that Fianna Fáil keeps repeating. People actually genuinely have a fear about having to interact with, with the health services, yeah. with the hospital service. Um, so I think that does explain some of where. So, I mean, it's it's the, and also what helps Fianna Fáil, we just saw at the manifesto launch there, People like um, Pierce Doherty, the finance spokesman, Honor Bryn, the housing uh, spokesman. Sinn Féin, I think you're right. Yeah, Louisa, Louisa yeah. Right. sorry, Sinn Féin, yeah. did I say, yeah, the Sinn Féin. They're very competent. Oh, yeah. They're very competent. You know, I mean, OK, you might you might question their figures, uh, but they come across very well. And they also, uh, you know, they're, they were, I think that time of the local elections, they realised it themselves, partly why they didn't do so well. Everything was negative. Everything was a problem. It wasn't, they weren't very solution based. And they have quite cleverly turned, you know, turned that around since and it's working to their they advantage. They have now a couple of things in terms of, uh, that. that's why perhaps they may be doing better than was expected or better than the polls initially suggested. But some of the policies, I think, now whether or not the electorate will drill down as they say into it or whether they want to, but just a couple of things. I mean, there today, uh, abolishing the local property tax, 
we have an acknowledged housing crisis. Their spokesman, Owen O'Brien, I would, I would suggest in terms of politicians, is certainly more knowledgeable of the housing issue than anyone else. Whatever he's written a book on it. He has written a book on it and he certainly has the knowledge. That doesn't necessarily mean he'd make a great minister, but you'd have to think he'd have a better shot yeah. at it than most. But at the, in the middle of a housing crisis, to turn around and say to people who have houses, we're going to abolish the housing, the local property tax, we're going to narrow the tax base, uh, all of that at that stage. That's one thing. Another issue, and Mary Lou MacDonald um, mentioned it last night, in terms of the climate change, again, another thing one would imagine that a party that would consider itself of the left would be strong on, they will not contemplate either reducing the national herd nor introducing carbon taxes. Again, you'd have to question that. And the Absolutely, third thing yeah. in that vein is the pension age. They want to bring it back to 65. And uh, there was a question there today. Somebody suggested it'll be the workers in their 20s and 30s who are paying for it. And I think it was Pierce Doherty who replied, well, I've spoken to people in their 20s and they have no interest in working beyond t- 65, which is, uh, to be quite frank, from somebody who is so competent, a ludicrous answer. Because I'll tell you one thing now, whomever he was speaking to in their 20s, they will not be getting a pension, a state pension at 65. Yeah, yeah. Not to mind them, I'm twice their age and I won't yeah. be getting that either. No, I, mean, I mean, it was, a, it was a real, that was a real BS line. And I mean, it's without a doubt, it's, 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 that, it's that utter illogicality that exists. We talk a lot about the fragmentation of the left. It was even last night, Claire Byrne said about to Roshan Shortall and Brendan Howland, like, why aren't you in the, why aren't you in the one party? Um, Richard Boyd Barrett uh, people for Fafford, they go and stand a candidate in Paul Murphy's constituency. Right. It's all kind of half mad, daft stuff. And then you have things where like the water charges or like the property tax, things that are seen as else in other countries, traditionally, you know, left wing and about broadening your tax base and making for a better society. And and they 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 su- suggest something like this. So, I mean, there isn't there isn't a logic there. And I think on the basis of the figures that Sinn Féin presented today, it would require us for the next couple of years to have a very fair wind. doesn't take much account of trade deals not being negotiated on Brexit or any other possible craziness that comes out of, you know, if Trump was re-elected in the, in the US. Um, you know, so it's, uh, that's what over the next, I mean, that's what you're going to see the other parties do now over the next while is to try and hammer Sinn Féin on their manifesto proposals and I think there is there certainly is um, material for them there. There's one particular thing there where they're saying about tax under tax revenue, and where they say there were tax intangible assets onshored by by multinationals, and that would be 722 million. Now that would be on an annual basis. Now I mean Tim Cook was in town last week to uh, the head of Apple to celebrate how long the decades Apple has been in Cork. I'm sure had this been a week ago and if it someone had said now I'm not even sure how Apple is caught up in this but someone like him you know will you be hanging around in Ireland uh, if we start doing this kind of thing and uh, you know I I I would imagine that the answer would be no to that. Yeah, and the other thing that was said there today is that everybody earning under 100,000 a year is going to be better off by 700 euro at least. And uh, on top of improving public services, ending homelessness and having a, a workable solution to make housing available for those in the housing list and affordable for people as well. And yeah, yeah. And I mean, tying themselves down, putting time limits, you know, on the homelessness to no more than, and also then holding a referendum to enshrine the right to housing. I mean, you really would want to be sure of your supply. And that would be within the first year of government. Yeah. 
Um, you, you, I mean, uh, no, the yeah. other thing, of course, is even if Sinn Féin were to get into government, it's not as if they would be the lead party. They'd be a junior no, and there would be coalition a party. And, and I mean, that has been... And I mean, it's, no it, it's, no, it's certainly not as wild as some of, of, yeah, pa- of Sinn Féin. Yeah, as wild as it used to be. And it, exactly. And they also say, you hear them say, and I've heard Mary Lou say it and Pierce said it today, oh, we sent our costings into the Department of Finance and um, they went through them all and everything is grand. Now, that doesn't mean high up or low down. It just means that the Department of Finance looked at them. Glorified um, parliamentary questions, effectively, yeah, answers yeah. to them. So it's yeah. not, that's that's a fig leaf. It's no... And, uh, and the only reason we're concentrating so much on Sinn Féin is because mm-hmm. they are the story of the elections so far. But one other thing, again, that struck me today is the prominence the party is giving to Irish unity. At one stage, Mary Lou Macdonald said, everybody except Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are talking about it. Well, and when I go down to the local GA club, we talk about nothing but Irish unity, I can assure you, and everywhere else. Well, Irish I mean, unity is not But you make, look, look back to a few weeks ago with the controversy about the RIC yeah. and all of that. Where does that fit in terms of how evolved we are or how we have coped with the emotional hangover? you know, that we'd be having... I mean, I'm always surprised when we see these unity um, polls, opinion polls, and that they are so high. That would not be my experience of talking to people or of the sentiment. I think it's a sort of a... that people think that it's a nice idea, the four green fields. I think even if you introduce the cost element... And this ties in, for me, neatly with the Ard Corley issue, because if you remember, wasn't it the start of last summer, where when Brexit things were, were very delicate, and Mary Lou said, you know, that she kind of wasn't pushing for a border This poll. wasn't the time. And this it. wasn't the time. Yeah. And the next thing, you had this U-turn. Yeah. And it was, it was. And that was seen as Mary Lou, having been told, rightly or wrongly, from, you know, the shadowy forces, you will call for it and you'll call for it now. Um, and she made clear today, because she had said, because she was questioned on it, you know, she had said, I heard somebody asking her yesterday, is this a red line? And she said, it's a bottom line, which made it unclear. But she made it clear today that this would be that is, they would not go into government unless um, this was agreed on and that's something that work would have to start on it um, and uh, that it, it was a, a really very important um, topic for it, them. It's ironic in a way in that it is in its own way a nationalist project, very unlike the nationalist projects that you see with the populism in the UK or the USA for us, very different, but yet a nationalist project. Yet it's also one that I would venture most people don't give any priority whatsoever to it outside the party. Most people are not obsessing on whether or not the country is unified. Once there are human rights observed in the first instance, why is the yeah. mad rush unless there is an overwhelming desire on both sides of the border? Yeah, I can't remember the figure now that of subvention. Is it 10 billion a year? So, 9 or 10 the, billion, yeah. And they, the they, they dispute pay, the, yeah, how that would disputed, transfer. Right? But anyway. Now, if, we, if, if proposals to abolish property tax here are popular. And for instance, the, the Ferrari over the water tax. How in the name of God are you going to con- convince people to take on an extra 10 billion? We're looking for all the billions I mentioned earlier to try and sort out the health service. Um, I, You know, it's no matter how persuasive you are. And I mean, they said, I mean, the way she outlined it at that at that press conference today, she made it quite clear, you know, that this is a red letter issue for them. And um, I don't see, unless some way, maybe maybe it's a strategic thing to say it that way, and maybe then you might possibly end up in a situation where you're negotiating with a possible coalition partner and you can come up with a, f- a formula of words. But that only lasts 
last for so long. I'm just interested. Their, yeah. end, their end game strategy the, is kind the, of interesting. The other thing is technically, according to the Good Friday Agreement, you could be talking about 50% plus one wanting it. But mm. they're in reality... Unless you have a large chunk, for example, of the unionist population who come to the conclusion, OK, we'll go in. It's, unless you have that, there's going to be a fair but bit of I trouble and strife. That's the, I mean, I think that's the, the responsible approach. Yeah. I think that's where the other political leaders are responsible. Uh, Seamus Mallon made reference to that. Yes, 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 exactly. Recently. Someone's I mean, died. OK, we have the Assembly back up and running now. Um, but we had a, things were looking very hairy in the north. For, for a period there, even during the last year, the murder of Lyra McKee. I think that you're you are you're really at this point in time anyway, you are asking for trouble by pursuing that line. And I'm also think that you have a core of people to whom it's very important, obviously those being very strong and staunch Sinn Fein supporters. But I think if the party pushes it too far, uh, it it would end up uh, losing some of those people who have more newly come to it. Uh, now, I had an interesting, I was in Cork on Saturday, I did a canvas with, with Simon Coveney and there was a woman there and she was retiring, nurse retiring at the end of the year and she was incensed. Really now she was incensed about the the pension and she was challenging him on it and about, about um, Fine Gael and he was arguing the point uh, well, you know, quite quite strongly and the changes that they'd made. But she threw in a line where she said, now, Simon, I wouldn't normally be a Sinn Féin supporter but Mary Lou said you know and I'd say there's a lot of that going around no question but if you if you then measure that up and said to the same woman and Mary Lou wants a unity referendum and it's going to cost an extra 10 billion how do you feel about that I don't think I don't think to view it that way but I agree with you but that's that's the those are the nuances of, well, of, that's of voting. What will, say, that's yeah? what it'll, the, the, that's yeah. if they keep pushing it. That's oh, yeah, those well, are the brass tacks yeah. uh, um, to which it will it will come down. One, one final thing, Alison, just to touch on. I mentioned there was controversies. Apparently, the controversy today was involving Senator Catherine Noon mm. story in the Times Ireland newspaper that she said to a reporter, apparently on the record, in about uh, Leo Varadkar and referencing his manner on the first leader's debate about his inability or alleged inability, I think it's overplayed to ask you, to show empathy and she made a reference to Asher. He's nearly autistic, she said. And this published immediately withdrawn, etc. the whole thing. She's landed in a bit of dodo, I think. Yeah, I mean, I did think this morning that, you know, politics can be such a harsh thing because when I first when I heard that, I thought, oh, my God, she didn't say that, did she? But then I thought today on the campaign trail, some journalist is going to say to Leo Radker, you know, are you autistic? And I thought that's just horrendous. You know, in some form, that question will be asked. It was. He said he accepts her apology. I think that Catherine Noon was utterly and completely daft. I think in there are uh, ethics and law around people being recorded. But I think today, when everyone's walking around with a smartphone, a politician, an aspiring politician, and Catherine has been in the political arena for long enough to know, uh, you know, that you're, there's a possibility that you're being recorded. And to say something like that to somebody on the doorstep was just foolish in the extreme. It was. I, a couple of things about it, though. First of all, in, in terms of, I've done work myself and personally I know people, in terms of autism and, and what people are dealing with the moment, mm. most particularly in relation to education and people oh, with yeah. children. And there are areas in this, in, in Dublin and in the state in general, 
which are appalling in terms of Brendan a, a child yeah. getting a, a service. And those issues are visceral. They're issues that are exhausting for the parents. There's no question about any of that. And therefore, you can see why people might be offended. The other side of the coin is, look, there's a reality. Privately, we all say things in describing somebody and it's not meant as an insult or it's not a reflection on anyone. They're said privately and do you know what I mean? But it would seem... Well, to back up your point there, at the Labour launch earlier, Brendan Howland said that in Aon O'Reardon's constituency, it was something, I'm remembering the figure, about 1,500, 1,600 kids waiting for assessment and yeah. treatment, which oh, is just extraordinary. appalling the services. And I agree that you could say that in this day and age with social media, people say things, it's black and white, they're, you're dead to me, you know, all of that. Yes, and I think that is too extreme. I think when you're canvassing, you are not chatting with friends. And if Micheál Martin or Mary Lou or Brendan Howland said that about uh, Leo Radker, I'd say at this point of the day, someone would have called for their resignation. True. That is true as well, yeah. yeah. You know, and it, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that I'm perfect in my private conversations with people. Of course, course I'm are. not. Yeah. Exactly. But those are private are, conversations. Are, yeah, they are. Yeah. Exactly. And as you say, everything's public and you're yeah. on the canvas and yeah. you, should, you should be well aware of it. Yeah. Will it damage her electorally? Uh, I don't think she had much chance anyway. In, she's in Dublin she's Bay in North. She's in Dublin Bay North. She's Richard Bruton's running mate. I know she's been doing a lot of canvassing, uh, a lot of canvassing dart stations. And, all and that she sort hoped for a bit of a lift. She chaired the Oracles Committee. She did, and actually, and did a to very be good fair, job. she yeah. did a really good job at that. A very, very good job. And, and would have, in, funnily enough, would have had a lot of abuse on social media and all yeah. of that herself at the time. So it was, it was no easy job. And she did it very, very skillfully. Um, but I think that she, for her prospects of getting elected, Fine Gael would want to have been on a really on a rising tide. And we're certainly not seeing that so far. Yeah, No, we're definitely not. Alison, listen, thanks very much for coming in today and giving us that update. We've about, what is it, 10, 11 days to go, folks, and uh, then it'll be all over. Uh, that's it for today. I'd like to thank JJ Vernon on Sound. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and the usual platforms. And you can let me know what you think at mick.clifford.examiner.ie or on Twitter at at mickclift. See you again soon. Informative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.